Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If there's one thing mums are generally pretty good at, it's self-criticism. Becoming a parent can lead you down a path of uncertainty and doubt. Why can't you get the baby to settle? Other parents are making food from scratch, but you aren't, and the list goes on. Sometimes it feels like everyone else is doing a better job than you are. Dr. Rebecca Ray is a clinical psychologist and author. Her latest book is called The Art of Self-Kindness, and it's a skill I think most parents could learn. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, Self-kindness can be very difficult to practice. Why is that? I think because we we live in a culture that has um, so many standards about what we need to do to be enough and what we need to do to be worthy. So we're constantly feeling like we don't meet the bar and therefore we scramble. And by scrambling, I mean internally, we're constantly telling ourselves what we should be doing more of or what we should be doing differently or what we're not doing well at. And that means that we're not treating ourselves very well. You're very careful to point out in this book that self-kindness is an art form. Why is it important for you that people understand that? Oh, because I just don't think it's uh, practice that I can set out in three steps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not as clear as if you follow this, um, you know, uh, regimen, then you will be meeting self-kindness needs. It's different for every person. And our relationship with ourselves um, is tidal. So sometimes we nurture well and sometimes not so much. And that means that we actually ebb and flow. And I want people to understand that that is absolutely okay. You're never going to be perfect at self-kindness. Instead, I want people to be able to approach self-kindness as a practice that they can integrate into their life, as something to come at um, that we can approach gently rather than something that you need to add to your to-do list in order to be able to tick it, off, tick it off to be able to say that you're worthy. So what does self-kindness look like then? Because people might be thinking, oh, that sounds lovely. Um, yes, I'll make myself a cup of tea. Or, um, but, but what if you had to describe it in any way, what would it look like? No, that's, a, that's an ocean level question. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bring it back to ponds level. Yes. Um, I, I think that because we don't have time for an ocean and I'd love to have time for that. But the thing is, it looks different for different people. And you've just touched on something that I'd really like to clarify. And that's that self-kindness is not copping out. So it's not just sitting around going, well, I'm going to let myself Netflix and chill for, you know, 12 hours today until I finish <laughs> the end of this season of whatever I'm watching. And I'm going to give up all my responsibilities. Self-kindness instead is a, an approach that we have that forms the foundation of our relationship with ourselves. So it's a way about going, sorry, it's a way that we go about life rather than necessarily exactly what you do in a day. But it does also include actions. So self-kindness could be anything from, you know, taking yourself for a walk even though you don't feel like it because you know that movement is really good for you to how you speak to yourself because this is probably the most important thing that when I've worked with clients, the most common form of self-kindness that we've needed to tweak is how somebody speaks to themselves. 
That's exactly what I was going to um, ask you about because um, when, especially when you have a new baby and you find yourself at home, you're not getting out much or if you are, it's occasionally and then you might be seeing other parents on the street. That internal voice can be incessant mm. and it seems an incredibly difficult thing to stop. Mm. Um, is self-kindness part of uh, an approach to being kind in that situation when you're just there in your head going, you know, this baby won't stop crying, why won't it stop crying, what am I doing wrong? Absolutely, but it's not about stopping the voice. Mm-hmm. So that's a great um, comment for you to add because most people think it is and that sets them up for failure. So let's be real here. I have a voice that is so incredibly critical of me that I've never actually heard anybody else in my life speak to me the way that voice does. And I'm a psychologist. I've trained (laughs) for eight years at university in this stuff. And I've worked for nearly two decades in clinical practice around how to adjust this stuff. It's not about getting rid of that voice. I wish it was. I wish I could give you an answer that enabled me to say, this is how we stop it. Sometimes we just don't. Instead, it's about listening to other voices or other, um, I guess, the other feelings that we also have that are deeper than that, like your intuition. So when you're in the midst of new baby world, so my baby is 15 months Mm -hmm. and I feel (laughs) like I'm, you know, I can strongly relate to that first newborn period, but also the fact that doesn't, why doesn't somebody tell you that, does it get easier? Like, I mean, (laughs) yes, it does. Eventually when they're four, Um, when they're four, right. Okay. I'll just hold on until they're four. Yeah. <laughs> but what you can have is this internal dialogue that says things. So um, Bennett had reflux and wind until he was um, six months, until pretty much the day he could sit up. And uh, we were left with a screaming baby for hours and hours on end. And that, that voice says, what's wrong with me? What am I doing as a mother? Which means my baby is not settled. My baby doesn't seem happy. My baby doesn't seem to want to be near me because of all these reasons. So, you know, am I, I'm a, am I the problem here? And then you see everybody else doing well because of the um, highlight reel that we present on Instagram and assume that everybody else has got it sorted out but you. And one of the things that self-kindness does is it acts as a cushion in between you and your experience of the world. So it sits there in terms of how you then approach yourself. So one of the things that I would say to myself is you've never had a baby before. How could you be doing this any differently because you've never done this before? So the growth that's happening in our brains as parents is phenomenal at that time especially when we're talking about first children. And we need to give ourselves space for that growth to be able to happen. We don't give ourselves space to grow and to learn if we're constantly, if we've constantly got the whip out and we're telling ourselves all the ways that we're not measuring up. In the book, you say that self-worth is the canvas for which other elements of self-kindness are written. Mm. Can you talk to me about that one? Because self-worth to me, um, and I, I believe you talk about this in the book, encapsulates that idea of being good enough and parenthood seems to be an endless supply of thoughts saying I'm not good enough I'm not good enough for my kids because um, 
I'm upset when they wake me up at night or I'm not good enough for my kids because I'm going back to work and they're still a baby or, you know, that not good enough seems to be something very strongly in a parent's minds at times. Mm. So how does self-worth talk to that? Like, is it one and the same, good enough, feeling like you're good enough and understanding your own worth? Yeah, same thing. Same thing. I think it's just different language that we put to it, Um, but meaning the same thing. If you feel like you're good enough, then you feel like you're worthy. Then you feel like you have a place in the world. You feel like that you're valuable. And I think that's very hard to do in a culture that constantly tells you that you're not enough and advertises to you the things that you need to buy to make sure that you are enough. Um, Our society actually profits from us feeling that way, feeling unworthy, feeling defective. The reason I say that self-worth is the foundation of self-kindness is because coming at life from a place of worthiness means that you will prioritize treating yourself kindly. If you come at life from a place of unworthiness, then you're much more likely to be critical on yourself. You're much more likely to speak to yourself in a way that you would never speak to yourself as a friend. Can you give me some practical examples, especially because you yourself are a mother of a young baby, Mm -hmm. um, about how a parent might practice self-worth when it comes to parenting, um, especially if they're suffering from comparing themselves with others? Mm. Uh, So in terms of practicing self-kindness? Self-kindness, or I guess, um, you know, going back to that idea of a parent looking at when you were talking about with a young baby crying and you think, what's wrong with me? Why aren't mm. I supplying all their needs? Because mm. babies are extremely challenging and they change so often. Is yeah. there a way that we can actually feel, even as new parents, even when we're making lots of mistakes, that we are still worthy of being that baby's mum, yeah. dad? For me, the easiest way to be able to approach that in that time, in that newborn period and in the maybe first six months, was I chose several people whose opinions I thought were worth listening to and I sought them out for reassurance. So one was I have an excellent GP and um, we have an excellent GP as a family. So my wife and I would take our baby to her and um, I would, talk about all the things that I was doing and if she said yep you're on the money then I took that as advice that was worth listening to and a sign that I was doing everything I needed to and then the other thing was my wife and I formed the basis of each other's self-worth during that period so we seemed to when one of us was wobbly the other one kind of held us up held her up and then vice versa Um, I had a period where I felt like you know perhaps uh, I was not being a good mum because every time I had to breastfeed, I either had um, uh, sore nipples or I, my back was hurting so badly that I actually dreaded breastfeeding for a while. And during that time, I felt like a horrible mother because I dreaded doing something that was essential for his well-being. And during that time, my wife was able to say to me, but look at you doing it. Mm. You know, look at you sitting with your own pain to be there for him and give him what he needs. And now it's changed. Now that he's 15 months old um, and we both work from home, I feel guilty about working. Yes. <laughs> All yes. the time. <laughs> I need to do work and yet for our, for our family and yet I feel guilty about working. And so we do the same thing now. We tag team 
and remind each other that if you're off working and you're getting satisfaction from that, then actually you're bringing your best self back to the family. You're bringing your best self back to your child. And so in terms of being able to practice self-worth, I think when you're in a very vulnerable time of life and a time that's so incredibly unfamiliar and changeable, it's important to be able to have external opinions to be able to help ground you. And choose them wisely. Choose them wisely, please. (laughs) Choose the people that you trust and not the people that you're comparing yourself to. Um, And make a conscious choice about what's right for you in that way. You know, I've treated clients who chose consciously not to go to mother's group because they knew that that would actually be a head wreck for them. Mm. We've talked a lot about how um, self-kindness is different for different people. Is there a way of articulating how self-kindness can make a difference in your life? Is there a way of articulating how self-kindness can make a difference in your life? But I, I guess the... One, I just answer that in one word, and that would be gentleness. If you are more gentle on yourself, then you come at the world gently. And that means that you open up an environment for growth and understanding rather than criticism, frustration and control. So self-kindness really acts as an insulation between you and the world. If you give yourself the respect that you deserve and treat yourself kindly, then you, you're much less harsh in the way that you receive the world and approach the world. And that means that you're more open, you see more possibilities rather than more problems, and you're, well, in my case, just a nicer person to be around. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, absolutely. What a great place to end the interview. (laughs) Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Dr. Rebecca Ray. Her book is called The Art of Self-Kindness. I highly recommend it. We'll put links to where you can get a copy in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.